this morning heard the sound of a nation warring going on What's going on? Boom shakalaka ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world It is your resident Bitcoin MC, your resident chocolate Nubian soul brother Your resident disseminator of wisdomatic crypto savagery Chris Shule y'all The esoteric noetic Ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost, I have started becoming a a huge proponent of Steemit, as I am Bitcoin Cash Maximus. Don't get this twisted, yo. So uh, if you were on Steemit, or if you were not on Steemit, be sure to follow us. Go on to steemit.com and follow us. I'm under Chrisul, K-R-I-S-H-O-O-L. And before I get into the main topic at hand, which is censorship, which is what is going on with with Alex Jones being recently shut down from the major social media platforms. I want to talk about the latest in the world of Bitcoin. It's all about that Bitcoin cash. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me. I've been, I've been watching too much of the Hodge twins. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Bitcoin cash. Now, recently, I came across Handcash, amazing app that allows people to transact Bitcoin cash. Now, this is what we want to see, people. We want these apps that make it so easy to transact. So easy that your grandmother can use it. I still feel like at the moment, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, they're still in this realm where unless, of course, you're a geek or a freak or some radical, some libertarian, some technology enthusiast, um, yeah, you, you may not be that passionate or that interested in trying to figure out how to use cryptocurrencies. I mean, you'd much rather just go with something you're familiar with. I mean, what's the point of using something that is so potentially risky, so volatile, and uh, comes with all of these problems when you can just stick to your dirty fiat. Well, when we have apps like Handcash, it makes it a lot more appealing, makes it a lot more attractive. And uh, this this app is definitely a, definitely a sexy app that allows people to, to transact Bitcoin Cash, just like Handcash, just as if it was cash. Cash is king, as they say. And from what from what I can see here, I mean, it's just a simple matter of putting in someone's uh, contact, the amount, and bada bing, bada bang, Bitcoin cash into your pocket, Joe, into your hand cash. Boom shakalaka. So kudos to the developers of hand cash. Kudos to Enchain for uh, the amazing technologies that they're coming up with. Now. Uh, I'm sure many of you have checked out the recent podcast with Craig Wright on the the Beach Boys podcast. Amazing, amazing podcast. Uh, it's always an interesting conversation when you get Craig Wright on uh, on an interview. And uh, highly recommend people checking that out. They spoke about artificial intelligence, a real fascinating topic. Uh, it's fascinating to note that we're we're at a point where yeah, it seems as if we're on the verge of being able to simulate. Um, organic life, biological entities. Now, I, I do love the fact that Craig made the distinction between being able to create something that mimics the uh, behavior of biological entities as opposed to actually creating something that is intelligent, that actually has consciousness. That's a distinction I always like to make. I, I think there is an infinite realm of distinction between something that has enough complexity to behave like a human being or a, a, an animal or some kind of biological entity as opposed to creating something that is actually aware of its awareness, that is actually conscious. I think when we're moving into the realm of consciousness, that's something that is very hard to define. 
the science doesn't even have a definitive answer in regards to what consciousness is. I know a lot of materialists make the argument that it is a it is a combination of uh, zeros and ones. It's materialistic, but I'd make the argument that consciousness is not something that can be that can be created from this Euclidean meat space. It's non-local, and uh, when I say that, it's a uh, it's uh, I've heard the analogy. Just going a little uh, uh, divergent rant here. That I feel like consciousness is similar to what happens when you shine a torch on a wall. Now, many. Materialists would say that consciousness is located to within that wall. The light that you see in the wall, that's where consciousness resides. Well, I would say that the light that you're seeing in the wall, similar to a radio that is able to, to take information from its environment and convert that to sound, uh, consciousness is not located on that wall or within that radio, but it is something non-local. It is obviously emanating from the actual torch outside of that wall, or consciousness is emanating from outside of this Euclidean meat space. It's outside. It's around us. It's something which seems to be intangible. I I, I believe in the idea of the extended mind, uh, Rupert Sheldrake's work. If you have a look at the idea of morphic resonance, um, the extended mind, um, or namely the work of Rupert Sheldrake, you'll find that it's something that which, which I don't believe we're, we're adequately defining within the uh, scientific paradigm. Therefore, the idea of creating artificial life forms that are actually conscious um, through this materialistic plane, I think is, is not seeing the full picture. Anyway, um, rant dusted. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get into the main topic of conversation here, which is censorship, which is what's happened to Alex Jones. Now, I have been checking out Alex Jones' work for well over 20, 20 years. I think um, I started when I was a little kid watching this guy breaking into Bohemian Grove. And say what you will about Alex, but Alex has got balls the size of planets. There are very few people in this entire world of activism that have balls as big as Alex Jones. The kind of stuff that he has done, I mean, don't get me wrong, don't get this twisted. I don't support everything that Alex Jones says and does. I'm well aware that some of the ideas, yeah, are wrong. And, of course, he admits this openly. He's one of these guys that likes to go on rants and likes to embellish things, and it does it because that's, that's how he operates. I mean, that's how a lot of media operates. They sell the story, and they say things that aren't necessarily true. They embellish, and unfortunately, there, is a <laughs> there are a lot of frustrated people to the left in the wake, but yeah, a lot of the times Alex gets this information right, and you have a look at the work that he's done. It was one of the first; he was the first person to uncover what was going on in Bohemian Grove. You'd hear these crazy stories about these government officials, presidents meeting up and partaking in these weird uh, ceremonies, and uh, it was all legit. Alex was able to cover this stuff, shine light on things that we, many of us, would have thought were outside of the realm of possibility. Time and time again, Alex has covered things that have shocked the world. And a lot of people like to think that these consp- these conspiracy theories that he's always pushing are just that, even though the word conspiracy theory has taken on this negative con- connotation, meaning that it's not true, when in actual fact, it is legit. The whole idea of conspiracies has the luxury of being a legitimate idea. They have happened, and they do happen. We know this because of instances like the Northwoods incidents, the uh, Gulf of Tonkin instance that set, that was the uh, pretext for 
the Vietnam War. Many of these things have happened before. Therefore, believing in Alex Jones conspiracy theories just makes makes perfect sense because they're not well, they're not conspiracy theories in the negative connotation. They're actually legit things that have happened in regards to nine eleven, in regards to uh, many of the things that a lot of people, I'm sure, look at as being crazy hoo-ha, dealing with, um, anyway, we don't need to go into all that conspiracy uh, conspiracy stuff. The bottom line is Alex Jones is someone that often gets a lot of the information right, and uh, the, the main issue at hand is obviously the fact that the mainstream media does not like the fact that, yeah, he's telling a different narrative. And what do we do to, with people that have a different narrative to us? We shut them down. We come up with rationale in regards to why they they are wrong. We just make up stuff about them. Or we try to censor their information. This is what we did a few hundred years ago. Not even a hundred years ago, with book burning. Hey, we, 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 I believe that this information is dangerous. And I'm using this voice because this is my political bullshit voice that all politicians tend to emulate when they are saying nonsense things but want people to believe in the, uh, the steadfast nature of their intonation. Books, or these books by Alex Jones, have the potential to do a lot of damage. And I believe that in the interests of the greater good, we must eliminate these books. We must censor Alex Jones. Now, don't get this twisted. I realize that when it comes to the censorship that is taking place with these private entities, they absolutely have a right to choose what they allow on their platform. Now, granted, it's a little bit more complicated because these companies... I believe, often get subsidies by government, and they're somehow intermingled with the entire government establishment. Therefore, it's not completely above board. But for the most part, if you're a private entity and you want to prevent people from posting information because they're black, because they're of a certain age, because you think their information is stupid, because you think they're they're saying things that are offensive, you have every right to. It's your platform. And, uh, yeah, from a voluntarist mindset... Completely on board with that. But let us not mistake what is really going on here. This is a means of controlling the public. It all comes down to control. And I wanted to outline some of the techniques that not just the government, but all establishments have used to control the masses throughout history to present day. Now, obviously, we're familiar with um, with censorship, information censorship, book burning, all that kind of stuff. As is happening on, as is happening in the realm of internet censorship, with the distinction being that obviously they they have the right to censor their platforms, companies like YouTube, Google, and so so forth. And when it comes to book burning, well, hell, if you bought a book or you created a book, no, you, someone doesn't have a right to tell you that you can't read that book or you can't freely disseminate that book. But these are ways of circumventing the spread of information because. As Alex Jones is well aware of, it is an information war out there. What you take into yourself often determines who you are, how you think. We're all shaped by our influences, the in, the information that we expose ourselves to. Another popular technique that is used is something that is not so exoteric. That is the Ash Conformity Experiment. Let's see if I can find a video on this. I think you guys will find this very fascinating. And this is a technique that involves how people are inclined to believe what everyone else is doing. How we all conform to the uh, the general consensus. Something that I find 
has been happening in the world of cryptocurrencies in regards to the Bitcoin scaling debate. Uh, but let's see if I can I can get the heart of this. Three comparison lines. One is going to be bigger, one is going to be shorter, and one is going to be the same size as the standard. Your job. All right. So look, this guy is talking about an experiment that was performed, known as the Ash Conformity Experiment, where they got a bunch of kids, and uh, they, these kids were, were were plants. So essentially, they told a bunch of kids to uh, to select the the wrong answer. And one kid had no idea what was going on. And this, this kid had to decide, based off of two lines, which line was longer. And because the planted group of kids were saying the incorrect line that was lo longer, that was influencing the other kid to go against his, his instincts, to go against what he, was, what he plainly knew to be true, because the general public, his peer group, were saying something different. And uh, we, we can see this, we can see this transpire. Let's see if I can show you guys an example. But I find this thing so very fascinating because this is something that plays itself out in reality all the time. I consciously experience this, where people don't know the facts to something, but they listen to what everyone else is saying, purely because everyone else is saying it. When everyone else is watching everyone else trying to figure out what everyone else is saying, as opposed to doing that amazing think thing that we're gifted with the ability to think for ourselves somehow uh, not looking at this uh, amazing ability we have and just going with the general narrative three 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 but on the third trial something happens two 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 so they're all saying, two. the peer group is saying that two is the longest line, which clearly two. isn't. The subject denies the evidence of his own eyes and yields to group influence. And this is the shit that I'm talking about. And one thing that can be seen from this experiment is it happens time and time again. And the more and more people that are saying something that you don't believe is true, the more in line you are to actually believe them. And uh, this is a powerful thing that we see in society. And it's orchestrated. This is how advertising works or social manipulation works. People try to create this idea that everyone else is doing something. It's called the neighbor effect. You learn this in sales. If you can convince someone you're selling something to that everyone else is doing this thing, bro, you got to check out this new iPhone. Everyone has this. All the cool people have this. Everyone in your, in your street just, got, just bought this iPhone because it's amazing. It's going to improve your life. People don't want to feel left out people often start doing what everyone else is doing. That's why there's, oh, in history, there is always this, uh, this point where enough people start doing something and everyone else catches on. But it's only a few individuals that have the, the gumption to stay true to their inner moral compass or stay true to what they know to be true, whether it is questioning the, uh, the moral certitudes or the, 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 the wisdom of the times, whether we're talking about flat earth, whether we're talking about I mean, there was a time, I always find this fascinating, where the, the common science was that, one, wait for this, wait for you ready for this? Anyone traveling over 20 miles an hour would die. They had these ideas. And this is from the Smithsonian Institute that have weird things happen to them because human beings couldn't deal with the, uh, uh, the inertia and the, the effects of traveling on trains with such high speeds. <laughs> and things like, oh, so many of them. Oh, black people um, that... They had a certain makeups in their in their brain 
that, and they actually had this down with science that showed that they had an inability to actually have intelligence. They were often just mimicking the behavior of of white men, but they had no ability to actually truly learn for themselves. They didn't have true intelligence. And the thing is, they had science to actually show this by explaining away the uh, the makeup of the of a black man's brain. But the list goes on and on and on. It's always fascinating how. Because these ideas are generally accepted, everyone falls in line with it, rather than questioning certitude. Question everything. Question what I'm saying. Do your own research. So, um, Ash Conformity. Another thing I want to talk about, authority, which works in the same idea. Another experiment that was done was known as the Milgram Experiment, where, in short, they found that by getting... They created a scenario where an individual had to administer pain because he was being told to administer pain to uh, a particular person that they did not know. And they found that because that person was being, the person had to administer this, this pain, so press a button, was being told to by an authority figure, someone that was giving them the, the go-ahead. They found that something like 70, 80%, and I think around 80% of people when we're talking about lethal doses here, now granted this is, at least in the experiment that I'm aware of, uh, it, was all, it was all an act, but the idea is that people would be willing to implement lethal, lethal pain purely because they were told to by someone of authority. And this is the world that we live in. People have this respect for authority. It's part of this reptilian brain, uh, this uh, hardwired psychology that people have to respect people that have a higher social standing to them. That's why it's so important to, to check yourself, to check whether or not you are doing something because you fear the you fear disobeying the authority figure. You've just born into this idea that because they are someone of authority that they must have legitimacy, or whether or not you are truly acting in accordance with what I would call your higher self, your higher intelligence, higher reasoning, the neocortex, the the part of the brain or the part of the consciousness that is is associated with higher thinking rather than just reflex response. Another, uh, another effective tool for controlling people, and this has been used throughout the ages, divide and conquer. And this is a powerful one. I mean, there are experiments that have been done in this, experiments where... They've shown how separating a classroom between people with blue eyes and brown eyes and telling people that, telling the children that people that have blue eyes are often more intelligent, hardworking, and studious, and the people with brown eyes are subpar, have a lack of intelligence, the lack of a constitution. By, making, by telling the kids these, uh, these mistruths would actually influence their ability to uh, to work would influence the outcome of their work. They found that people that were told this lie about being the superior race would act in accordance with that, would get better results. And what would happen is they'd, they'd, they'd obviously teach the uh, people who had brown eyes in a disdainful way. And it's interesting how what we believe often impacts how we behave in regards to our excellence. There's this idea that Believing something, whether or not it is true, is irrelevant. It's almost as if you're lying to yourself. Sometimes 
by simply telling yourself something that is not true, for instance, that you are superior, that often acts as a catalyst in, act, in allowing you to behave that way, as was shown within this experiment. But the, the, the more important thing to take away from this is how people can be manipulated to believe something so easily and how that actually shapes their entire being. And we've seen this time and time again. I mean, the ancient Egyptians would apply this, making distinctions between groups of people. Uh, I mean, this is the, the whole approach of divide and conquer, to, to effectively control slaves, telling certain slaves that they, they were stronger, weaker. I mean, this, these are techniques that were applied with the, uh, the American uh, institution of slavery. Uh, making distinctions between slaves of lighter skin to darker skin, slaves of age, slaves of sex. And these distinctions would bring about envy, fear, and distrust within the community so much that they work against each other and they become easy to control. And this is something that we found also within South Africa with the, uh, the Hutu and the Tutsi. I think the Dutch made these arbitrary distinctions in regards to their physiology, and this allowed a breeding of hate from these two tribes that had no real uh, distinctions as such. I mean, granted, you can always make distinctions about anyone, any group of people, arbitrary distinctions. For instance, people that have big penises and those that have small ones, people that are of a lighter shape, and they're an infinite level of... Uh, distinctions you can make, but they're all arbitrary. And we see this in the current situation, the distinctions that are made in regards to sex. There's a battle going on, obviously, at the moment, sexism in regards to women and, and men. I mean, it even happens in, in groups that you would think are, are working under this banner. For instance, within the black community, uh, there are people that believe that they are more black than others. There are pe There are lighter-skinned black people, the darker-skinned black people. I found in Africa, you have a look at the, the subgroups and how historically they've warred with each other based off of these arbitrary distinctions. Happens time and time again. History of the United States was based off of this. People that were considered half-caste, not accepted by either community, the white or the, or the black community, because they were um, of mixed race, treated very differently. And this has been the basis of, uh, of creating violence and this is why I, f I find the whole concept of race uh, so poisonous. And granted, I believe everyone has a right to discriminate. But as soon as you start looking at people based off of these arbitrary dis distinctions, it starts leading to a lot of dangerous thought. In fact, I, I often quote one of my favorite uh, philosophers. Uh, uh, let's see if I can find his quote here. It's uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti, and he often speaks about, yeah, the poison of separation that we bring about. He says, when you call yourself an Indian or a Muslim or a Christian or a European or anything else, you are being violent. Do you see why it is violent? Because you are separating yourself from the rest of mankind. When you separate yourself by belief, by nationality, by tradition, it breeds violence. So a man who is seeking to understand violence does not belong to any country, to any religion, to any political party, or partial system. He is concerned with total understanding of mankind. As soon as you start separating yourself into these categories, black, white. I mean, we do this even in the libertarian community. You have these libertarian nationalists. You have these uh, conservative-like people that consider themselves libertarian. And granted, um, 
I, I, I frankly don't see this, these distinctions. The only distinction I make is those that understand freedom and those that don't. You'll find somewhere down the line people want to compromise in something because of fear, in the interest of greater good, whether it's security, people saying, well, in order to ensure a freer society, we must give up some of our freedoms. I say you either understand the, the whole idea of liberty or you don't. But quite frankly, I don't care about the separations. I realize that at the end of the day, it's about working together. I think it's important to have common unity, to focus on the, the similarities we have rather than the distinctions. That's the transcendental, transcendental Buddhist attitude. This idea of seeing that there is, there is an element of truth within most of the wisdom traditions. And rather than focusing on the, these distinctions, try to find the, the common theme within them, the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. And that will bring about a much more beneficent society than to discriminate on people because of these arbitrary distinctions and use that as the basis for violence. Anyway, divide and conquer is a very powerful technique. And uh, I'd say it's probably the, the most powerful one that's been used through time memorial. Now, uh, I'm going to get into some more of the not-so-exoteric uh, techniques at the moment. Now, one of the things I learned about um, some years back by going through the works of Michael Desarian, brilliant researcher, um, uh, other figures... This is around the time I got into the, my whole obsession with mentalism, uh, magic. And when I'm talking about magic, I'm talking about psychology. Most magicians work on their understanding of psychology, mentalism, the occult. That essentially means that which is hidden. When you're dealing with sciences that people don't understand, when magicians like David Blaine and D Darren Brown are able to, to figure out what you're thinking, it's because they understand human psychology. It's because they've implanted what you call anchors around you to influence what you do and what you say. And this is, this is the subversive use of symbolism. This is a very powerful way of manipulating people, of controlling the masses, by creating society, by influencing people through advertisements. I mean, they, they found in the 60s, for instance, that by, by simply showing Coke commercials during movies, that they, it would increase the sales of, of Coke by 20% or something like that. They found that by the way in which you, you structure a society... And the thing is, the, whole, the way that this thing works, people often are not aware of the fact that they are being influenced by these things. It's subconscious. It's all beyond, it's outside of the realm of conscious thinking. Thus, the subconscious. There are certain things that you will hear or see that you're not consciously aware of but are still influencing you. We're all taking in a small amount of information that we're consciously aware of. But subconsciously, the subconscious is seeing everything. And often we're being influenced to behave in ways that we are not aware of. And this is how advertising affects us. The people that actually understand how this stuff works, the, the masters of this stuff, magicians, you know, whether it's, Darren, whether it's someone like a David Blaine or a Darren Brown or someone that's more uh, nefarious. I mean, the history is riddled this. This is the, this is the stuff of the, uh, the ancient uh, occultists people that would use these techniques to influence the population. I mean, we can go into the, the more uh, mainstream forms of this. I mean, this is used in uh, NLP, neuro-linguistic neuro programming, in, in pickup artistry, in, in, in hypnosis, but ultimately people are influencing you subconsciously. And when you have a look at this in a mass scale, 
you realize that there are certain entities, certain governments that do implement this in order to influence the public. When it comes to campaigns, you, you often see, uh, I think there was an advertisement uh, some years back where during uh, an advertisement for a particular politician, they had uh, sounds of rats, very uh, audible, but not that audible, during the entire advertisement when they, they played the the video of the the politician that they were trying to dissuade people from voting for. But the, there's subliminal things that you can do to influence people. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to wind this thing down now. I think we're, uh, we've spoken about five of these techniques. Now, this kind of flies contrary to uh, divide and conquer. Like, uh, the opposite approach of this is, is uniformity. One of the things the military often does is they get people to adopt the same kind of clothes, the same kind of everything, to take away your individuality, to make you essentially a drone, so you don't question authority, so you don't think for yourselves. This is one of the reasons that we wear uniforms in the military. This is one of the reasons why in the military you don't question orders. You follow orders. You do things without thinking. They also structure the the training in a way where you don't have, you, you, your, your body is not in a state that is able to question things. When you have been deprived physically of, of sleep, when you've been worn out, you're less likely to disobey orders. This is why you're often drilled and you, you put people in a state where they're more susceptible to order following and less susceptible to their individuality. And what this creates is a, a society of people that are willing to do anything at the drop of a hat on the command of their their superiors, their authority figures. And this is, a, once again, a form of mind control, a way of controlling a populace to do as they are told. Because the most powerful thing that we have as people is our individuality. And people think of it as a bad thing. People always talk about how you should try to fit in. No, I mean, there are... There's only one version of you, and it's incumbent upon you to manifest yourself as honestly as you can. As difficult as it is, as, as much as we all fail, I fail. There are times when I try to, to fit into the, the general population because, hey, I don't want people thinking I'm some crazy weirdo. That's going to have a, a tangible negative effect on my life. But you find that the, the greatest people in history have always been strong enough to, to show who they are. To say, hey, this is me. I know who you want to, me to be, but... This is who I am, and this is who I'm going to be. So, another form of mind control. We've kind of touched on this, but this is social consensus and tradition. I've often heard people say, it's been done this way for so long, this is what everyone does. Once again, falling in line with ash conformity. This idea of, everyone does this, therefore it must be good. This is how people influence the masses. Everyone was doing this. People often say, yeah, slavery was bad, but everyone was doing it back then. Yes, well, most people were doing it. That's why it became more acceptable. If everyone started chopping off their penises at birth, maybe that's a bit extreme. (laughs) We do do that partly, don't we? Circumcision. I mean, it's been done for such a long time. Hey, let's all do it. Let's not question the, uh, the validity behind that. Let's do it because everyone else is doing it. But I think you get the idea. What is a very powerful form of control is the fact that everyone else is doing it. We all want to be part of the hive. 
But once again, it takes courage. It takes a strong will to go against the grain and be yourself. Now, what I would say is probably the most powerful, and every great dictator has used this argument, and it is the fear argument. It is the security argument. We must give up our freedoms in order to protect our society. A society that gives up their individual freedoms for the greater good is a good society. And I'm using my political voice here because often politicians speak in this tone when they like to bullshit and have an element of authority, even though they're just bullshitters. But the reality is, every argument that has been made throughout history to, to do injustices has always, been, has always been constructed around this idea of doing it because of what may happen, because of fear. And we see this taking place even in technical areas, in, re- in regards to Bitcoin, the scaling debate, in regards to what will happen if we allow these big companies to gain too much power. What will happen if we increase the block size and people will now require more powerful computers in order to mine? What will happen if only these big companies are able to get powerful computers and normal people like me, you and I, are not able to mine? We're going to have centralization. It's always a what-if scenario. It's always Machiavellian thinking. In order to ensure a society is able to thrive, let's kill off a certain group of people. Because they're dangerous. Well, look at these people with these crazy ideas. It's always been the basis. And it's, it's never been the right one. Let's violate someone's freedom. Because this behavior is dangerous. Now, granted, they're not harming anyone. And we go back and we look at all of the horrible things, whether it's slavery. And when I say horrible things, all the things that were deemed of by the society as being horrible. And... Uh, the justifications, let me rephrase that. We go back in, in history and we have a look at all of the horrible things that have taken place. And there have always been arguments around this notion of doing it for the greater good. We have a look at slavery. It was necessary in order to have a, a free society <laughs> to respect our traditions. You have a look at some of the, uh, the, the arguments by the the slave, the, the plantation owners in the, in the South, and they were just the, the same kind of arguments that you see today along the lines of, it's the only way. We're not going to be able to survive unless, of course, we have this system of slavery that we have. You have a look at arguments trying to uh, prevent people from having um, free interaction with each other, you know, whether, whether it's homosexuality or some other deviant form of behavior. People often say this kind of behavior is disgusting. It's inappropriate. And if we allow this to continue within our society, it's going to destroy the, the fabric, the moral fabric. Things along those lines. Not respecting the fact that these individuals have a right to their own freedom. And finally, I think the best way in which, in which to distort freedom is to distort the past. He who controls the past controls the future. And one of the things I find over and over again is people don't really understand what has happened historically. Most of the things that we're seeing now have happened time and time again. And it's just a little bit of history repeating. And of course, you have the mainstream news outlets that want to convey this idea of history. 
try to twist it, tell you that this is how the world is. And anyone that is telling a different story in regards to what happened is perpetuating fake news. Because they realize how, how powerful the narrative is. Whether it's something that happened a thousand years ago or whether it's something that happened yes, yesterday. People that change the story, people that control the story, often control what happens in the future. And this is what we're seeing with Alex Jones. This is what we are seeing with InfoWars. Now granted, the, uh, <laughs> the events that often are foretold by Alex are a different version of the truth to what actually happened. But people have the right to decide what information they're going to adopt. And as soon as you start using this argument that we need to censor these people, now granted in the current situation with the censorship through uh, these private organizations, that's acceptable. But the idea of... I, I can see a time when people simply aren't allowed to express history because it's not in line with the mainstream narrative. If people deny things that the mainstream feels happened, and they tell a different account of what happened, I mean, if you have a look at alternative history, and I'm a huge student of that, and I say alternative history because history as we know it to what actually is, is often very different. History is often written by the victors. And you find that what you learn from different groups of people in regards to what happened is, is always been is always different. You hear about the uh, the events re- relating to certain historical things from different parts of the world, and they they often vary substantially, as do reports from news outlets in regards to what happened. And it's important for people at least to have the ability to decide which version of events they decide to take upon themselves. Freedom of information. That's the kind of world we want. And as soon as you start playing this game where we need to plan, we need to control what people do, that's when you lead yourself into this world of logical insanity and problems. And we've seen it time and time again. So, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to uh, I wanted to talk not necessarily about censorship because I think the greater issue here is control. Is the, the mainstream narrative that the powers to be, I sound like Alex Jones and every, every time I use that word, are trying to th- thrust upon people. And it's, I think it's incumbent upon people to, uh, to seek out different sources of information and have the ability to think for themselves. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, boom shakalaka. I'm going to leave it there. That's my, uh, my drop for the day. I'm going to try to continue bring, bringing these podcasts on the regular. And be sure to uh, to comment, like, let us know what, what else you'd like me to talk about. And yeah, be sure to follow us on Steemit. Peace out, keep it real, don't drive in text, tell your mom. And uh, oh, before I before I wind this thing down, let's let's talk about some of the recent um, tweets that I've been seeing on the the Twitter sphere as of late in regards to Bitcoin. Now, um, um, I found this very fascinating. Uh, Craig Wright released a. Uh, that Bitcoin, um, to no surprise, was uh, was not created in the United States, but the paper was first listed on a server hosted in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, that's where I'm at. There, that's that's where I, where I'm at. Melbourne, Australia, the home of what seems to be a lot of crypto savagery, home of a lot of the cyberpunks, home of uh, a Julian Assange who's going through an ordeal right now, and the home of Satoshi Nakamoto. 
And, uh, yeah, it's just very interesting, all the, uh, the amazing stuff that seems to have been coming out of Melbourne in regards to uh, crypto anarchy over the last uh, 10 or so years. I feel, very, I feel very proud to be living in this city. But having said that, my, my country is not Australia. My country is the world. And my religion is peace. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace out. Keep it real. Don't drive in text. This is Chris Shule. Ow! Leading you with my uh, promotional video here. You know, people in this life always tell you what you can and what you cannot do. You can't let nobody put limitations on yourself. You gotta know that deep down inside, you got the will, you got the power, you got the fire. So if you wanna go, you gotta go like thunder. We've had the beats, you hope the most side. Bring up the rain, needle in the direction. Have a moment, ponder on that weakness. Rise above it, keep working on that game, son. I'm about to school you when I thunder. I'm a ring, I'm cool, you know I got Of two. Gotta think and stop what you want me 